Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, the Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Daryl E.C.D. Fulton with my teammates, Brian Allen and Craig Hawkins, PCH. We call him Professor Craig, and we have our good ready Daryl screening the calls. And since we both named Daryl, we just make a distinction with he has a Y in his name. Why? I don't know. That's just what you know people do to people. But go, give Daryl a call right now at one triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. He's ready to receive your question. We want to answer it from a biblical perspective. And um, you know, we um answered some questions. We gave some teachings on the front side uh, the first hour of this particular broadcast. And uh the broadcast will be up and running. I believe Brian gets those things on our website at Bibleinfobrokers.com where you can go to their archives and just, uh, shows and listen to them. And if you want to, you know, uh, rehear some of the things we talked about, it's a, a great resource. And while you're there, go ahead and check out the other resources that we have available. The, the whole idea about resources, folks, is to give you information, not to be puffed up, not so you can just know to be knowing, but to be able to utilize uh, those um, resources to be able to let people know about uh, your most holy faith, the faith, the blessed hope that you have in, in Jesus Christ. Now, I say all those fancy uh, words like the blessed hope and, uh, you know, um, contextually correct and understanding what you believe and why you believe it, but there's people out there that's going to spend an eternity and uh, separated from Christ, a.k.a. a place called hell. And what are we saved from? People don't talk about it enough, as far as I'm concerned. We're saved from God's wrath. But the, the interesting thing, and I'm going to have Professor take some opportunity or take this time to explain what are we saved from. I say we're saved from God's wrath, but yet we're also making a claim that God died for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Craig, can you take care of that spiritual conundrum for me, please? Well, can certainly try, Daryl. Um, thank you so much. You, you know, I you know, say it a little differently, but exactly what you were just talking about, Daryl. We we often have this idea, just like there's Christians who mean well but say things that are silly. Uh, there are people who mean well but gives you silly financial advice. There are people, and it can cost you your whole life savings, all you've worked for your whole life, your retirement. There are people who give medical advice, <laughs> doctors or otherwise, that's really bad. And there are people who give bad spiritual advice. And you know, it's so funny, we live in a day and age where people uh, take the term life coach. They're a life coach. And I'm like, life coach? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I want to say sometimes, who died and left you <laughs> to be God? Um, and some people will give some pretty good advice, and some of it's just, you're like, are you serious? Mm. But, but some people have this idea that they'll say a lot like this, Daryl. Well, I don't believe like you guys. I believe <laughs> this. Now, look, we'll defend your rights to believe what you want to believe. We, we, we do espouse your right to believe what you want in the one sense humanly here on Earth. But that doesn't make it true. Just because you have an opinion doesn't make it true. I, I hate to burst your bubble, uh, but there are things we've all believed or believe it, uh, now that are just wrong, that are not true. And so people can have bad financial advice, medical advice, spiritual advice. And some people say, well, that's not the God I believe in. That's not the God I worship. And we're like, well, exactly, because the problem is the God you're worshiping doesn't exist. The God that you're worshiping is made in your image. There's an old joke of, of the so-called uh, quest for the historical Jesus. And the joke is, even among liberal scholars, they said, why is it that the Jesus these guys, liberals always find is exactly like them? He always holds the exact same views as they do. And, of course, the point is, is it's because they've distorted it. They've twisted it. They've simply reflected right into Jesus what they want him to say, what they want to hear, their own views. My friend, what I'm trying to say is we're not here to tell you what you want to hear. 
we're not here just to tell you something that tickles your ears, if you will. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, I, that's, what I, that's what everybody believes. We're here to tell you, as ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, an ambassador is not free to ad-lib and to change the message of the one who sent them. In this case, it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. As ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, trying to be faithful to that, we want to speak the truth in love, but we're going to speak in love, but the truth to you. And that is, my friend, you're one heartbeat away from a Christless eternity. You're one car wreck. You're one day away from... There's people, Daryl, who die from relatively minor surgeries. You know, they go in, sometimes outpatient basis. They think, you know, no big deal. And they, they don't go home. There's people every day, especially in Southern California, who get on the freeway, and they're not coming home that evening. Indeed, in one sense, they're never coming home. And so, you know, we're not trying to be morbid. What we are trying to be or to give you a reality check is this isn't an appeal to fear. It's an appeal to reality. You are going to die someday. It's not if. It is a question of when should the Lord Jesus tarry. The question is where will you spend eternity? Where are you going? My friend, I pray that you are going to heaven. I pray you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We pray that you trust on him and him alone. And it's not just for heaven, for eternity. It's right now, right here, right now, for life and that more abundantly, for fulfillment, for contentment. We're not saying an easy life. We're not saying you're going to live on easy street. <laughs> Sorry, Daryl. Uh, yes. we're, not, that's not, we're not saying that. We're saying life indeed may be very difficult for you as a Christian, but it's the truth. And we speak the truth in love to people and say, be reconciled to God. Come home to the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him as your Lord and Savior. Do not believe for a moment that you can somehow justify yourself before a holy and righteous, infinitely righteous and good God. My friend, you may be way better than myself or Daryl O'Brien, but that's just not saying much. We're not the standard. The standard is God. The standard is perfection. There's no grading on a curve here. You want to get into heaven by your good works, but you think you've been good enough? Then you better have been perfect. Whoops, you've already messed up. Even if you could be perfect from here on out, and that's not going to happen, you know that, we know that, you're still not going to make it because you've already messed up. Trust in Christ. Receive his finished work for you, that he did indeed die. He indeed did rise from the dead, we're told in a book called Romans, chapter 4, for us. Trust in him. Believe on him. You know something's wrong. You know your life is not complete. You know you're lacking fulfillment. You know that there is something alienating you from God. And that is because you are imperfect, because God is holy and righteous without any sin, and you and I are not. And to be in his presence, to be able to come in his presence and spend eternity there is, you need to have been perfect. You and I can't, won't, didn't do it, will not do it. Jesus Christ did. If you trust in him and his life for you in your place, God gives to you eternal life. There's a beautiful passage to finish up here in First John. Uh, the whole book of First John is beautiful. Mm, yes. John's nickname is the Apostle of Love. He's called the Apostle of Love. But he says a number of things in First John, but particularly in chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. Eternal life is not just longevity. It's not just length. It's quality. It is that quality of life and that more abundant, and that is only found in Jesus. And those who have Jesus have eternal life. My friend, I ask you, do you have eternal life. Amen. Amen. PCH and Brian, I'm going to bring a gentleman on the phone right behind that gospel message uh, because his question is so germane to what we 
just uh, asked, uh, just talked about as far as the gospel. And I know, Craig, even though you said you do it a little bit different way, as uh, everybody have different personalities, and the Bible addresses us in so many different ways and how it touches us, but the seriousness about this and the seriousness about this person's question, I want to bring Romy up from the city of Los Angeles and ask his question to us. Romy, thanks for calling in, and you can understand based upon what you see. I see your question written down here, why I brought you on. Uh, so welcome to the broadcast, and Romy, and what is your question? I, uh, the, the question I usually have, first, if, if God sent his son, he made a decision to send his son to be killed, to save us from our sin, why are we glorifying the son, not glorifying God who made the decision for us? Okay, that's that's an interesting question, the way you put it there, and, I, and I'm going to put you on hold, but uh, you're still with us, only because I hear a lot of background noise uh, where you are, and it's not good for radio, so... We got the question, and so I wanted to bring it on right after we gave the gospel message. Were you able to hear the gospel message that uh, Professor just gave? Yes. Okay, so hold on to, the, to that question. We're going to deal with it. I see your question being as why did basically Jesus have to die, and why are we worshiping, uh, not worshiping Jesus instead of God? Hold on, please. PCH, let's deal with that. Well, that's a, it's a great question, Romy. Thank you so much. And, and others have that, that or a similar question. And let me just say a couple things, and I want to quote from John, indeed from what, what his epistle called First John, uh, but also from the Gospel of John itself. And the, the reason we do that is, but you are right, we should honor the Father. Jesus points towards, glorifies the Father. Um, but it's okay to glorify him as well, because he's the one that did it, and he's also divine. He's also God. Now, it's kind of tough saying this, how we speak, but he's God, that is, he's not God the Father, but he is God the Son. So we can and should honor and worship him. But you are right. Yeah, he, he reflects the glory to the Father, just as the Holy Spirit reflects the glory uh, to Jesus. So notice, uh, I'm just going to give you uh, one passage kind of makes the point. I think another one's clearer, but this one starts to make it. It says in 1 John chapter 2, this is in 1 John chapter 2, and I believe these together uh, in part answer your, your very good questions. He says, uh, and I start in verse 20 of 1 John chapter 2, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son also has the Father, or has the Father also. So in other words, to have the Father, we have to have Jesus, and we have to know who he is and understand his person and work, his identity for us. So, but, you, but even having said that, you are right in saying, well, wait a minute, okay, but still, why don't we honor the Father? Well, we would argue we are honoring the Father. The Father's goal is that we would acknowledge who Jesus is, we would trust in him as our, as our Lord and Savior. Jesus says the words he speaks are not his own. They are given to him by the Father, from the Father. And, and, and he tells us why. And I'm going I'm to uh, quote that in just a moment. Give me just a moment here. Um, uh, so, um, as you go on that. We're told, for example, in, I'm sorry, Daryl, in, first oh, John, mm-hmm. sorry, in John 6, 29, it says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. That's also found in First John First John 3.23. Now listen, listen to a passage here. This is from John, 
And actually, in John 5, the Jews wanted to kill Jesus because he made himself equal with God. They got it. Indeed, he uses the Greek word, the Greek word Esau, or where we get a word isosceles, not the name Esau, which is just Jesus in Arabic, but Esau, Eson is the word used in Greek, which means absolute sameness of nature, one is claiming. So let me just read this passage and make a comment, then let you comment. So Jesus, it says, and I quote, after he heals a person and whatnot, it says, Verse 16 of John. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. By the way, Jews would say, when they, they didn't say it often, but when they did, they would say, Our father. They never said, My father. If you say, My father, they saw that as equating yourself with God, claiming to be divine, claiming to be deity or, or God, having godhood. And that's a no-no for a monotheistic Jew. They're going to kill you for that. So again, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, I should say parenthetically, according to their misunderstanding of it, but he was even calling God his own father, Mm -hmm. making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will do show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whomever he pleases to give it. Moreover... The Father judges no one. He has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Why? Now, verse 23, here we go. That all may honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And so, in other words, Jesus says we are to honor him just as we honor the Father. So we we don't try, uh, Romy, to ignore God the Father and not give him the honor and glory due his name, but according to his own will and counsel, God the Father wants us to honor his Son, Jesus, just as we honor him. You know, PCH, before I bring Romy back on, I just wanted to just offer it uh, as uh, John 17 when Jesus was actually praying to the Father for himself. Um, uh, because it touches in, you know, kind of nicely what you, what you were talking about. Romy's question is about glorifying Jesus as opposed to just, the, uh, you know, the Father. And Jesus said, um, after he, dealing with the idea of um, talking to his disciples, he says, He looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now the Father, and now Father glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And all that ties in together with what Romy is asking about should we uh, glorify Jesus? And Craig, you so aptly said, why is both? Yeah, Romy. it's not, we don't ignore the Father, right. but we can and should honor the Son just as we honor the Father, yeah. because the Father told us to do that. Exactly. Romy, I hope that's helpful to yes. you, brother. Yes, but I have, I have a follow-up question. In the same book of John, Jesus saying, everything I tell you, it's not from me, it's from he who sent mm-hmm. me. 
Mm-hmm. And if you love me, who sent me will love you. So he's talking about the love of God. He's making mm-hmm. sure that we work towards the love of God, not the love of Jesus. And him saying that, he said, the slave cannot be greater than his master. In the same book. Right. What I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is, God creates, God provides, God sustains, God forgives, God resurrects, God judges, God does everything. And yet we forget all that and worship his son who just mm. died for our sins. How okay. convenient for us to do that, to accept that only. So okay. we are not grateful to God, we're only grateful for the son, to the Son, who is going to give us, uh, what do you call that, uh, a kind of plans where we can do all kind of sin, and then you know, we're going to be forgiven because of Him, we love Him, because He's going to help us to get forgiven. So it's like we love to sin. And because well, He's going to give us a ticket to sin free, a sin and live sinful and all the stuff is going to be forgiven we love you more than we love god who gave us everything else who sent who originally sent them in the first place mm-hmm. us. Right. and okay. i have a problem with this i think god deserves much more glory even jesus when he was crucified what did he say he prayed he said what do not forsake me he was praying to who to god who right but he him? said Right, but so he also says, glorify me. Hold on, Romy, Romy. Let me respond. Yep. Yeah, those are great points. Let me respond. Hold on one second, Romy. Go ahead. Go ahead, correct. Jesus also says in the same book, glorify me with the glory I had with yes. you before the world was. So you are right in what you said, but I just need to add these points. You have to remember, Jesus also sends himself. Jesus is, is, is he's not just the son, he's the son of God, which in, in Hebrew, Hebraic thinking means he, he has the same nature. For example, uh, James and John were called the sons of thunder. That was a nickname for them. Sons of thunder, well, they literally, thunder's not their father, uh, but, they, but it means they, it described their nature. They were pretty uh, rambunctious mm-hmm. early on in their ministry. So Jesus is the son of God, which means he's the son of God. That is his, his nature. So Jesus does that, but let me just mention some things. Uh, first of all, I don't love Jesus because he gives me a carte blanche card that I can just sin and do whatever I want. He can can't. forgive me. He's gonna, I'm gonna, he's gonna discipline me if I, if I do despite to his grace. If I take advantage of his grace and kindness, he's going to chastise me. Um, but by the way, Jesus, you said, you, you said, for example, and you are right. God raised Jesus from the dead. But Jesus also says he raised himself from the dead. First, I'm sorry, John two. 19 through 21. John 2, 19 through 21. Indeed, Rob Bowman has an outline where he goes and shows you. It says, the Bible says, God raised Jesus from the dead, but it says the Father raised him from the dead, Jesus raised him from the dead, the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. Now, they're not contradicting each other. The three are the one God. But you mentioned God raised Jesus from the dead. You're right. But Jesus is God. Not God the Father, but God the Son. And that's why he's involved, as we're told in John 2, 19 to 21, raising himself from the dead. Also, you mentioned only God can, you said God can forgive sin. Indeed, we would say only God can forgive sin. But Jesus in Mark chapter 2 claims he has the ability to forgive sins. Why? Because that's he where I have is divine. That's where I have a problem myself. Because right. That's my mother and my father, they both have different way of believing. And then yeah. I have to use logic sometimes to understand what's going on here. If in the same book of John, it said, John said, I'm not here to judge the world, I'm here to save the world. So uh, Jesus right. is not a judge at the day of judgment, okay. and he's not God. Well, let me, let me finish this up here, and, and, and I, appreciate, I really appreciate your questions and your comments. 
But we, would, we refer to the first coming and the second coming. So at this first coming, Jesus doesn't come to judge the world. He comes to save the world. When he comes the second time, he is coming to judge mm-hmm. it. So there are two comings of Christ. It's not just his first one. Um, so, though, and there's nothing wrong with using logic and reason as long as we uh, have proper data. Look, I teach logic and do to graduate students, okay? It's my background. Part of my background, besides teaching in the area of law, t- teaching uh, cultural studies, uh, theology, I have a background in graduate degrees in philosophy as well. So I teach logic. That's one of my specialties. So there's nothing wrong with being logical and being reasonable. But you, but even the best reason is isn't any good if it doesn't have the right data. So we have to get the right data. So there's some material. There's an outline, in particular, by Robert Bowman on the Trinity, and we'd love to help you find that, get that to you, or tell you how you can find it on the internet. Because Robert Bowman goes through and shows you again where you know only the Father can forgive sin, but yet the Son forgives sin, the Holy Spirit forgives sin. So these are great questions you have. But we would argue just quickly here now. They're complementary, not contradictory. These truths are complementary, not contradictory. But it just takes more time than we have right now. So right. we want to help you get a hold of this material, and we also would love you to call back, and we'd love to talk some more. And Romy, do you have access to the Internet? Yes, I do. Okay, if you go to our website at BibleInfoBrokers.com, even as the show is going on, you can find out some of these resources we had, Brian. I think Robert Bowman's link is on there as well, where you can link over and get these resources that Craig is referring to. And, Romy, you have an excellent question, man. I want to bring you up before some of the other ones because it tied into the gospel, and I'm, I'm sure that we didn't necessarily satisfy all your questions, but I hope that we uh, scratched into it. And please give us a call uh, at uh, your earliest convenience more, again. Final comment. I'll make final short comments. Oh, but, but, I'll continue listening to you guys. Okay? Thank you, Romy. Go right quickly right okay. ahead. Okay. Here's... Uh, no, well, here's what I Romy. Let me say, let me say this, Romy, because a lot of time when you do live radio, people you want to get so much in, and unfortunately, because we have so many other calls, why don't you do this? Get, gather your thoughts. Send us an email. We would love to look over it's your email. It's right here. It's right here. I got it. I got it pretty quick. The the okay. other the yeah. other thing too is, uh, Rob's isn't up there, but I did a paper a long time ago on the mm-hmm. Trinity. It's about it's about five five pages. And then that's uh, on the website as well. Okay. Yeah, and it shows it shows all the where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, draws people under salvation, raise Christ from the dead, eternal omniscient knowledge of the Father, okay. Creator, and dwells self and okay. let, let me let Romy have the final word, and yeah. we can move on to the other callers. Go right ahead, Romy, here's real quickly. A, here's the word. Here's the word. Did Jesus pray for, pray for his enemy, right? Jesus prayed for his enemy, right? Mm-hmm. He prayed for the word, right? He prayed for mm-hmm. all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Whom did he pray to? God doesn't need to pray for himself. He needs to pray. We need to pray to God. If he is God, whom is he praying to? It was God the Son praying to God the Father. Yeah, see, this is the issue. Romy said, so look, I'll yeah. this now. That's why I really don't want one final comment. Cause I right, I, I, I got you. Yeah, I understand. Now we, see, now we just open up another can of water. Right, right. That's a great question. I'm not trying to skirt it, but you, you have to understand something, though. Now I have to say this. Jesus has two full natures. He's fully human and fully divine. You and I are fully human. We're not divine. God the Father is fully divine. He's never been human, never will be. So 
Jesus, though, is the only being in the whole universe has a fully human and a fully divine nature. So there are, he does pray to the Father, he does communicate to the Father, and yet he also answers prayers himself. And so, anyways, if you call back, I would love to address that question that you just brought up in detail, and we'll do that next time you call in. Okay, Romy, thank you. Hey, Romy, and then please go to the website and get that information that Brian's referring to. And again, Craig, I understand how one question leads to another, and you know, the excitement, I like Romy's enthusiasm. Uh, for that, but like you know, we've we've been doing this for a little while, and we know how those things go. So, Romy, please feel free to even send us an email since you have access to the internet and further explain what you want to talk to us about that we weren't able to take it all today. Uh, let's go back to the phone calls, gentlemen. Let's talk with uh, Eric from the city of Northridge. Eric, thanks for holding on and calling in. Yeah, uh, thank you for taking the call. I wanted to uh, ask the panel if any of you had. Um, experience with the uh, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. I'm sorry, I just, I clicked the wrong button on you. I, we had lost Craig. Uh, they put you on hold. Jeez. I brought you back. So let me do this. Twice me, twice in one night. No, I didn't do it the first time, Brian, so don't worry about that. And you bring Craig, Craig there. Um, give me a call back. Give me a call back there again, if you don't mind, um, Eric, and we'll bring you right up. But in the meantime, uh, what we'll do is go to Brian. You okay? I'm just shaking my head. Oh, SMH. Okay, yeah. I, I remember that on the email. Um, let's go to Steve in the city of Los Angeles. Oh, uh, we lost Craig again, so we have to call Craig back. I think uh, <laughs> I won't. I won't throw her under the bus. We know what's happening. But go right ahead. <laughs> go, go, go right ahead. Uh, let's get Steve on. And um, as we bring the professor back on, um, let's get into it, Steve. What's your question, brother? Thanks for calling in hey, from Pat, LA. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Good. Good. Hey, I had a question for you guys. Um, and uh, this is from the Weymouth New Testament translation, but it says, "But let it's in First Peter four fifteen. But let not you let, let not one of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a spy upon other people's business." And I know a lot of passages uh, translation says meddler, but can you guys expound on that? I mean, it just seems like, you know, the culture today is like, I spy Daniel, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar Network. Um, no. I like that. No, give, me, really, give me the verse. Give me the verse again. Wise, like, yeah, I got you, know, Steve. Give me the verse again, like please. Art, I see this one emerging freak show religion cult that I think got IRS approval that's called the, it's called like the, the way of the future is the name of the religion. Right. Uh, I, you know, I mean, like, what is your interpretation? What is meddling? Um, give, give me, give me the the verse that you're using. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, first, first Peter four fifteen. Okay. First Peter four fifteen, and also um, paralleled with um, like First Thessalonians, where Paul, I, I don't know exactly, uh, four eleven, I think, where he says, um, "Try to do your best to be quiet." Okay, I'll read First Peter four fifteen. It says, "By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or a trouble or a troublesome meddler." And what was the question about that? Well, just what is the meddling aspect of it? I mean, what is meddling? 
You know, what, 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 what constitutes uh, meddling? I think that meddling would be another word we use nowadays. I mean, we use the word metal, but I think another word for that word metal would be like a busy body. Uh, you know, and I think, uh, and, and, and it can be, depending on the context on what is uh, taken as, you being a busy body is usually connotative to a negative thing where you get in people's right. business, you idle yourself, you're not, in other words, you're not, you're, not, you're not sweeping behind your own back door, you are sweeping behind everybody else's, as it were. But I also have heard that to also mean one who oversees other affairs as well. And that's what I'm saying. It depends on the, con- depends on the context. Uh, and um, the way I think that you're uh, bringing it to us, uh, Steve, is from a, a um, sort of a, a context of getting in people's business. You know, um, right. in so a my wrong connotation. Is, is that my interpretation wrong? I mean, like, I'm not in... And I'm, I'm not supposed to busy myself in anybody else's affairs. Well, see, I, and I, I let Brian and Craig talk on this. The the issue that yeah. I see throughout some of the other uh, passages I remember reading is dealing with the idea of idleness and uh, the idea that you know you're you're even with the uh, the widows that were younger and older widows. They said of being a widow indeed. Right. The, the the idea is that people who are idle in their own business are going to be busybodies in yours. And so, from the standpoint of being a busybody in somebody else's business, not taking care of yours or being too idle in the way you. Uh, uh, using your doing your life, then I think that's right. the negative aspect of that you're speaking of. Brian may have a uh, from the context a more positive thing, but I, every time I see this word, looking at it from the standpoint of a negative busybody, idle to their own work, busybody in everybody else's affairs. Uh, PCH or Brian? Craig? Yeah, well, yeah. There's a different meaning here. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a gossip. This is somebody who entangles themselves in without being invited into someone else's affairs or matters, and particularly spreads gossip. So a busybody, even that, I realize most people don't use that term. That's a, 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 an antiquated term as well. But it means basically you're sticking your nose in people's business where they never asked for it, giving counsel and advice and trying to run people's life and then running them down, in fact, to, to play on words there, uh, to others. That's not a counselor. A counselor, now, just because someone's a counselor doesn't mean they're really good at what they do. There are some counselors <laughs> that do counseling themselves. We just talk about pastors um, now. We talk about counselors. Yeah, Craig, we're yeah, putting but everybody down today. <laughs> but there are wise people. Indeed, so there are, there are Greek and Hebrew terms that literally refer to people who are counselors, if you will. That's what they do. The whole term elder even has the idea of someone who's older, Literally, literally an older person who's wise and has wisdom to give to other people. So, and right. we're told that it says the wise man seeks the counsel of many. So we're actually told to seek counsel or counselors. Indeed, the word, um, um, uh, oh, come on, for the, one of the words used for the Holy Spirit and for Jesus, parakletos, mm-hmm. is a counselor. Indeed, yes. that's one of the meanings of it. So, so in other words, words have different meaning or shades of meaning. If I say, and this is silly, I know, but if I say cool, well, do I mean it's the temperature cool, or do I mean that, that that is a cool personality, or what am I referring to? So, the word so it's not so counseling is not bad or wrong per se if it's good counsel. It's the person who uninvited or who maybe was invited but oversteps their bounds and steps into something that they're not qualified to deal with. It only complicates it and makes it worse, and often makes it worse by spreading it all over as a gossip. And so that's not the same as someone who's a wise individual who discreetly and, and keeps a confidence, we say, and shares something with the, that party or the parties involved and them and no one else. 
that is actually a blessing, is biblically commanded, whereas a gossip, a busybody, a meddler, in the sense of 1 Peter 4.15, is a sin, is to be avoided. They're two different things. So, Craig, would it be, would it be like um, someone that just uninvitingly uh, pries into my personal business? Would it yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. haven't you ever had somebody, you know, who's uh, so confident of their own opinion? You know, they've got an opinion on everything, and they're they're going to tell you to run their how to run your life, and they can't even run their own. Yeah, well, um, well so I think we all have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's a pejorative term. So this would be it's a great question you're asking, Eric. But it'd be like saying, "Well, all judges Steve. are bad because here's a bad judge," or "All police officers are bad." You know, there are some are bad apples. There are, but there are others who are really good. And so we have right. to select why is this one good and why is this one bad, and you just gave one of the reasons why a person would be now moved from being called a counselor to indeed a meddler, uh, i.e. a busybody. Now, Steve, let me say this, Steve, not to be confused with the idea that if uh, someone, so let's just say if uh, you're sinning, then if I see you're sinning, if you know, you're married and say you're married and you and I are going out to a ball game and I see you breaking your neck for every uh, nice-shaped female that's passing away, well, I'm not jumping in your business in this meddling sense that you're talking about when I'm uh, observing this behavior. So let's, I don't want to get that confused right, with that right, type right. of that I situation. That. Yeah. I understand, but, but if you need to see the color of all my shoes and my clothes, <laughs> no, that's a bit much. When I go to the restroom or when I eat or when I whatever, to me, it's just, that's like the Nebuchadnezzar network. There you are. I like you the way you said that. Yeah. Then, then you need to hire a private investigator. Brian, stop trying to get extra job. Yeah, really. <laughs> and, we, and we do All do right, that. Gentlemen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate Thank it. God bless. All right. Now, Take care, Steve. Yeah, we did lose Eric a while ago. Now we're going to bring oh, him back. Okay. And so I just want to get Eric back on the phone. Eric, thanks for holding on, you know, and calling back in, brother. Well, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. So um, you started talking about counseling in one sense there, so I'll continue on with that. Mm-hmm. I was asking you, if you're, uh, anybody on the panel, uh, and I had a follow-up question on this because it actually applies to a, a – a life circumstance I'm dealing with, but if anybody there has familiarity with the Association of Christian Biblical Counselors and their approach to counseling, their their um, procedural practices based on their um, doctrinal positions. I, I don't know of them. I've heard of them. I don't know of them personally. There's so many different groups that call themselves uh, a Christian uh, counseling or Christian I, I association. I can give you a bullet point uh, outline if you're not familiar with them. Uh, is Craig familiar with them at all? PCH, are you? Well, I've got them confused in my mind, so I was just going to ask you, just tell me, give me the, your bullet points, and then I'll know which one right. it is. Right. Um, uh, I think about 30 years in in uh, organization. Uh, one of the um, uh, big uh, proponents of this approach, uh, approach is MacArthur, John MacArthur here in the Los Angeles area. Um, it's taught at his university, up at Masters University. Um, the, the approach, in a, sense, in, in a nutshell, uh, denies any and all um, relevance uh, to uh, secular uh, psychology and secular counseling in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's what I thought we were referring to. This is, the old term for this was called nuthetic counseling by Jay Adams. So Jay Adams really yes, is the exactly. proponent of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why. But I, I, I get rusty on the association title. But why don't you tell me? I would figure out who it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe. In it. So, did you want to say anything else, Eric, on it? Or well, um... yeah. You know, it's not that I necessarily agree or disagree with their uh, their position, but um, I, I would find it bordering on pharisaical uh, in that. Um, not all things secular are sinful. 
and go on from there. I have some other points. Like I said, I have a life issue dealing with some of these folks from these, this organization. But mm -hmm. um, if you want to run with that idea, correct? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I, no, no, I get that, and I've studied this. Um, yeah, so, so nucetic counting, Jay Adams really is more the father of it. It's, it's from generally particularly a presuppositional Calvinistic perspective, and, and that's not really my problem with it. But um, they have a particular approach, and you, as you said, they would basically say anything secular is unbiblical. And and look, I want to I want to do biblical counseling. I believe counseling, good advice. This is radically relevant to Steve's question. He's just talking about right. should be biblical. They're they're not antithetical. If I say scientific, to me in my mind that that's not contradictory to the Bible and vice versa. So if I'm biblical, it doesn't mean I'm not scientific, or vice versa. They both have different domains, but they're they're not contradictory. They are indeed, I would say one more time, complementary. Um, so, but but I know what you're saying. So look. Um, you know, if we're talking Eric Erickson or, or Fromm or, or Freud or Jacques Lacan, so-called neo-Freudian psychology, you know, what have you, um, th these guys, look, a broken clock is right twice a day in the old days. Um, so some of them clearly have unbiblical worldviews, and we need to be very careful of that. We need to be very leery of that. But, yeah, but that agreed. doesn't mean they don't have any insight. Now, let me just say a couple things here, because I've heard, you know, some of these arguments, the Bobkins will argue, uh, I would argue, a very extreme form of this, Martin and Dieter Bobkin, and they'd say, look, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's just go back here etymologically, Hawkins. Psychology comes from suke, and suke means <laughs> the soul. So we're dealing with spiritual issues, so automatically we're doing spiritual issues, so a non-Christian has nothing to say. But that's not true. Non-Christians... Uh, um, get things right sometimes too, right? I mean, I, do I not do I not use bridges built by non-Christians or buildings or what have you? Of course, they'd say, well, no, no, that's a secular thing. It's a building. It's not something dealing with your soul. Look, there are medical doctors, and there are others as, as well. There are bio, there are chemical imbalances, what have you, um, that can cause problems. Now they would acknowledge that, and they say, yeah, we'll take your medication, you'll be fine. Uh, what I would want to argue is, I, uh, I want to be clear here, I believe counseling should be biblical, radically so. I just think sometimes some people's quote-unquote biblical counseling isn't fully, totally biblical. I think that's the irony. And sometimes, so, uh, sometimes, an example. Um, God forbid, but this actually happens. Somebody locks a kid in the closet for 10 years. There, this is actually happens, unfortunately, where literally some quote-unquote parent or parents take their biological child or children and lock them in a closet or do something equally despicable for 10 years or what have you, that child is going to be messed up. They're going to have some serious issues. We can and should share the scriptural perspective. We can and should share the Word of God with them. But we also need to be aware there are going to be dynamics that they're going to have trouble times appropriating that. You don't just say, it's the Word of God, just apply it and shut up and get over it. You know, I mean, there are things that, that happen. We sin and we sin against. Sin is institutionalized. And so, for example, a gal who's been abused sexually, this is so often such a traumatic experience. And, you know, a gal that's raped, and there's often the saying, that, you know, it may have been one day that I was raped, but this, I re-experience this every day of my life. And so, do I want to share the Word of God with them? You bet! It's not that the Word of God is not sufficient, it's not helpful, but I want to bring every tool that I can available that, isn't, that is ultimately not contradictory to God's Word, that is indeed scientific, that is indeed uh, a tr truly uh, evidentiary of, of sound psychological insight and advice to the table. Now, 
Look, I've done quite a bit. Of, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist. Psychologist. I've done a lot of study. Look, I've, you know, you're going to talk Froome or you know Freud, Erickson, blah 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 blah. blah. I've read all that stuff. Then they're done that. You know, this stuff's important to me. Um, and we need to know where they give advice that clearly is non-Christian. But there are times that some of them have, I would argue, clear insight. Let me give you just a quick yeah. example. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad, Abraham I'm glad to hear. I'm in, I'm in agreement with uh, your position and. Yeah, and I, so, I can even point out a, a nuanced uh, the nuanced situation that I'm dealing with, where their counseling can um, specifically be unbiblical. Um, I'm in a um, ten year divorce where there's custody issues with regards to uh, children with my ex wife, and um, she submits to this counseling and counselors from this counseling, and we have direct uh, court orders to receive co-parenting counseling, there's direct court orders to for children to receive counseling, and if we have, um, which by the way, uh, people from this organization, they're not psychologists either. These are this, these people are not trained in the areas of psychology. They deny it, you know, so um, in any right, event, they uh, directly, um, they directly violate um, uh, governmental orders from the court when they're advising people not to follow court orders because if they're ordered to go to what would be considered secular counseling, and many, much of this counseling is just as you said, it might be having just two parents who are divorced learn how to communicate with each other and cooperate. Right, so communication skills are valuable. So some of them are trained, some of them are not prof uh, professionally or uh, formal education training. But let me go back to two examples, okay? So one is, so let's take Abraham Maslow, and what's in one form, Carl Rogers would be another one, of so-called humanistic psychology. Now, the basic core of humanistic psychology I disagree with. I disagree with it on a worldview level, and there I would be in agreement with them. But does that mean Maslow gets nothing right? When he talks about a hierarchy of needs, when he talks about self-actualization, uh, I don't find that as unbiblical. I just find that he just hasn't, it's not in a worldview construct. But look, we're all looking for meaning, for purpose, for significance. And there are some great truths in his hierarchy of needs. I don't think at the end of the day he delivers. I don't think he can really make people self-actualize. Mm. But I think he has some great ideas. And I would argue really to be self-actualized, uh, you'd have to be biblical. So, so, but, but I don't throw everything out he says. Yeah, the parts of his views that are unchristian, that are antithetical to Christianity, I'm going to have trouble with. Not just because they're against my religion, because I don't think they're really true. Um, but let me give an example. So now here's a practical example. I, in fairness to my friend, I will not mention his name, I, had a, I have a friend. His wife tried to kill him, okay, several times. And they kept saying, well, you need to go back to your wife. And we're like, are you crazy? Mm. Literally. I mean, she's trying to kill him, and I'm not exaggerating, okay? So, and, and, there's, and, like, and so there's times where they take, uh, look, they take what they believe is God's counsel, but I would argue that some of them don't give the full counsel of God in context. Yes. And so it's, it's the text taken out of context, it's a pretext for error. Mm -hmm. So yeah, God doesn't want divorce, all things equal, quantibus omnibus, he doesn't want divorce. But when someone's trying to kill you, you do have grounds to separate, and if need be, to divorce. Yeah, uh, and so, but I've heard him say, no, no, you need to go back. And so there are times when I think people mean well and they want to give what they think is biblical counsel, 
but in fact it's not really the full counsel of God. I want to be completely fully biblical, and look, even... Not, Paul quotes Stoic and Epicurean philosophers. They're not Christians. How can Paul quote them? And, put <laughs> those, and how can Luke quote those quotes in the Bible? They're not Christians, because what they said on those issues were true. In summary, could you could you give me maybe just some quick advice on how I might hold uh, uh, these folks accountable, obviously including my ex-wife and, and her counselors, to to what God calls us to do is submit to the uh, submit to the authorities that He puts over us. And, and I have an issue where well, we, sure. like I said, we can't even have basic counseling to have co to cooperatively co-parent. And there's a, there's an irony here. So let me just say this. Uh, that's why, again, just because somebody puts an ichthus on their sign, on their shingle or whatever, claims to be Christian, doesn't mean they're giving you biblical or a Christian counseling. But there are people who really do. I've known over the years a number of them who I think do a phenomenal job. They are really good at what they do, and they are really committed Christians, and their counsel is in light of the full counsel of there God. You yeah, there's times we have to disobey the courts, but if the court's saying, "Look, you just you need a parenting class, you need anger management class, you need that, you need you know these are some of these things are basic skills." Now, if they say you need to meditate and to find your higher self, of course you're not going to do that. So there are times when courts do mandate things that are unbiblical, but just because a secular court mandates it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. So what I recommend is sometimes the way to fight fire with is to fight it with fire is to get in touch with. Uh, folks whose counseling really is biblical. So I think of, for example, New Life Counseling. They have a number of people, a very committed Christian, um, and uh, who attempt to really help people and use an integrative approach. And sometimes you need to bring in someone like that and say, look, here's another professional, and they are Christians, and this is the counselor giving me, and so, you know, I need to do this. And there's times where the court is going to hold you in contempt, and it's going to throw you in the hooskow or fine you. You know, and again, we don't just do it because the court says it, but sometimes the courts are flat out right. They do get some things right. And, and yes, they say, again, you need, I know you agree, but just for, with everybody else, you need some basic parenting classes. There's an issue here, you know. Uh, and, um, and, uh, and someone says, no, I just need to quote Bible verses and that. Well, you need to, but you have an anger problem, and, and you're quoting Bible verses. While that's really important, you're still uh, having these outbursts. It needs to be addressed. And you need some help in addressing that. So, I want to look at you know what is the problem, but not just the symptoms. What are the you know sometimes symptoms is you have outbursts of anger. We got to stop that. But why do you have this? And then a remedy. How do we look at this? And what's the ultimate cause? There are these different levels, and sometimes in some areas, non-Christians say some things that we would say really are according to common grace and natural law that are profoundly true. Sometimes. And to ignore that, silly. You know, Eric, if I can just ask you real quick, so I can make sure I'm clear in my mind, is the issue that um, maybe uh, the ex-wife or yourself is desiring to go to a Christian counselor, but you feel that the Christian counselor that uh, either your wife is going to is not giving, like Craig alluded to, the full counsel? Because I know the courts will never, ever, that I'm familiar when I used to be in court, uh, militate against you getting the Christian counseling. They will never tell you to get it, but they cannot militate and say that you cannot go to a Christian counselor professional because the professional is taught uh, by the state, licensed by the state, and those people are the ones that you need to go to because the court orders that. Is that so? Um, what are you no, saying? That, to, to answer your question shortly, no, that's not the situation. Um, I'm completely familiar with groups like New Life and so on mm -hmm. that are Christian counselors, but they're, they're uh, from a position because they're actually licensed psychologists. Yes. 
that this other group would refuse. So they're in complete denial to even enter into counseling relationships based in those in those standards. Okay, they completely that's completely deny that. those standards. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what you're and, and there are times I'd say, Daryl, there are times the courts will mandate. Let's say in the case of, uh, of analyzing a child allegedly sexual abuse or what have you, we'll have to go to the counselor who doesn't hold your views. Um, but but some things still are evidentiary. They're based. I mean, uh, let's say there's allegations. This happens sometimes in a divorce case. Or otherwise, or leads to divorce, is one spouse accuses another one of sexually abusing the sure. other child. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, unfortunately, this is, this is uh, true. And, uh, of course, it does need to be addressed, and there needs to be proof of this, that this happened. Uh, but there are times, of course, this is, this, this is a groundless accusation, and it still has to go to a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist yes. for, for analysis, and that person may or may not be Christian. So, yeah, no, I get the issue of what you're talking about. And, and so, frankly... Um, Eric, there's times where you're going uh, you're going to have to disagree, respectfully disagree, because yeah, they they don't see the others being really Christian. They think it's compromise, it's worldly, mm-hmm. and yeah, exactly. you know, like, there are exactly. there are there are Christians who have some worldly techniques. I don't want to deny that, right? But what I will dispute is that any that if it's not their type, their form of I'll use the old term, newsetic counseling. If it's not that, then it's somehow worldly. Uh, in my that's opinion, that's no more true than mm. that. Then something's wrong because the the mathematician was worldly, <laughs> and therefore all his mathematical equations are wrong. And just saying that because it's suke deals with the soul doesn't necessarily mean therefore it has to be unbiblical. It does not mean that a non-Christian cannot say something even about the soul that is nonetheless still true. Otherwise, Paul's in trouble because he's quoting non-Christian. Amen. Eric, I hope that's helpful to you, brother. Appreciate your call. God bless you. All Take right. care. Yeah, and, and there is the Benner, by the way, uh, a guy named Benner edited uh, the Baker Encyclopedia of Psychology, and I think that that is a wonderful resource. Now, you actually need a psychologist, psychiatrist, a licensed therapist, um, but uh, I do want to recommend to folks uh, among my many books in psychology, I have uh, shelves of books by non-Christians, but I have as many or more books by Christians, and uh, Benner, B-E-N-N-E-R, is the editor of the, uh, uh, is actually a psychopedia psychology uh, published by Baker. And I think that, I'm not espousing everything in the book, but the bulk of it is really, really good. Mm-hmm. It has some great articles in there that it would address a number of the issues that Eric and we were just talking about. we got about seven minutes left on the broadcast. Karen, you're going to be up next, then Dan. But, Ryan, before we go back to the phone calls, can you just let the people have an opportunity to participate in keeping this ministry on the air and also participating in giving financially whereby we can keep up uh, the Internet and all the other kind of stuff that we're doing? Yeah, by all means. And we're coming up to the holiday season oh, yes. where we have a where there's a tendency for the giving to to drop. But uh, there's a couple of ways, Daryl, they can do. They can uh, uh, they can go to our website, bibleinfobrokers dot com, bibleinfobrokers dot com, and uh, there's a, a link there where you can support and donate. It's real simple. Uh, the your donations will get to us right away, or you can go right to the um, uh, you can uh, go through snail mail and write out a check or money or a cash or check, however, however you want to do it. And you can mail it to uh, BIB-LBTW. That's uh, P.O. Box 90477-90477, Los Angeles, 90009. Thank you very much, Brian. And again, uh, folks, that website address is BibleInfoBrokers.com. Let's go back to the call. We only got about five minutes left now. Um, talk with Karen. Karen, thanks for holding on, and um, let's get into your question. Okay. 
I'm kind of afraid to ask it because I'm afraid of the answer because I'm <laughs> Honest. I love the honesty, Karen. <laughs> well, if Jesus Christ hasn't died for my sins, then I have no hope, and I know that he has. But my pastor today, who is a wonderful teacher, said something that has been bothering me all day, and I couldn't ask him afterwards, so I'm calling I'm calling you all in hopes that you can help me here. Uh, probably get rid of guilt is what I'm looking for, and but mm. I want the truth. Um, he said that uh, people ask for sin, for forgiveness of their sins, and then they turn around and sin, and and that there's an actual name for that. He was talking about almost like religions, and he said the name of it, but it was so foreign to me, I don't remember what it was. And and I, he had mentioned a few sentences before that about, you know, people that are are um, just enslaved in pornography and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not that I have that problem. I have been born again, and the Lord has freed me from alcohol and drugs and hatred from my dad because he sexually abused me. Mm-hmm. And the Lord God has worked mightily in my life and I love him with all my heart but I do keep I do keep sinning um like per, sometimes gluttony and and I don't want to do it but it it, it happens and <clears throat> I if I don't know I don't know what to do with Karen that's only because of the sake of time and we want to be sensitive to your situation okay. it's yeah. much too sensitive for us to try to completely deal with it exhaustively but we're going to give you a, a quick shot I'm going to let the professor speak on it and I'm going to be quiet on it only because of time okay. and I'm going to ask Brian to just let the professor speak on this real quickly uh, and please feel free to call back next week okay yeah because we're going to barely get started Look, Karen, Karen, we all sin, and you're going to sin until the day you die. Sins of commission and omission, by what you do and what you uh, do not do, by impure motives, what have you. Um, we don't have to sin. We, don't, we, don't, we can't make excuses. We can't help ourselves, but we do. And, and, and we all struggle. Maybe I don't struggle with gluttony, but I struggle with something else and vice versa. And so, look, you know, First John's very clear uh, that we are, sin- we are going to sin even as believers, and if we claim to be without sin, we are a liar. We make God to be a liar. But if we confess our sins, what? It's in the present tense, it's ongoing, present tense. Faithful, and, faithful just. and just. To keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. So there are people, I don't know the term yet, I'd love you to call back and tell us what his term was. Maybe he's meant antinomians or somebody like that who basically make excuses for sin. Uh, I'm not making an excuse for sin, but you are going to sin. You're going to struggle. Yes. Look, if you were sexually abused by your father, mm. you're on the road to recovery and healing, but this will probably be a life process yes. for you. And that's not because you're inferior. It's yeah. because that thing is so damaging. It is so yes. traumatic to a person uh, that, that you know you will spend a lifetime, by the grace of God, working through that. And so you need to be able to forgive yourself as God forgives you. Look, we're not making excuses. We're not just saying I'm going to sin. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. We ask God for forgiveness, and we re- want to learn to rely upon the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to help us. And we need to say much more, but we're... Karen, really please call back next week, and we'll put you up first, okay? Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, God you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Dan, uh, we apologize, Brother Dan. We're not able to get to you. Please call back as you do, Dan, for us. And look, on behalf of Brian, PCH, Daryl with a Y, Andy, thank you for all that you've done today. And um, my name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton. I'm Mama Grace and Big Daddy's Baby Boy, right, Brian? 
Amen. And your mama Rose's youngest. And we say, Lord, we'll be back next week. More of the Bible Information Brokers presented by Living by the Word Ministries.